because we're the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? On my toast, it's got to be peanut butter and blackberry jam. joining us for episode number seven of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, stories, innovations, and more to help you move your agency, business, or organization ahead. Our topic for today is how to win at online advertising. In this episode, we discuss why effective marketing tactics are hard to find, how to write an effective ad, why diversification of ads and authenticity is king. Our guest, John Malik, is the CEO of Native Ads, Inc. John previously worked as the COO of an online advertising and media company, focusing on assisting both advertisers and publishers to increase results. Throughout John's tenure as COO, he connected over 30,000 advertisers to over 80,000 publishers. Stay tuned to the end of this interview where we find out more about what John likes to spread on his toast. Episode number seven, early to bed, early to rise, work like hell and advertise. Here we go. Hi, John. Thanks for joining me on the Jelly Marketing Podcast. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. John is the CEO of Native Ads, Inc. And why don't you just describe where you are right now? Because there might be a little bit of noise in the background throughout our interview, but just tell us what you're doing today. Absolutely. I apologize in advance if you hear uh, some banter in the background. I am in a beautiful city called Leeds, which is a little bit outside of Manchester. And I was really excited to come out to the UK. I've been following virtual reality specific to advertising, storytelling, journalism, and how it can work with brands uh, for experiential uh, advertising. And there was an event hosted by the BBC that's going on tomorrow in London. So I wanted to come out here and catch up with some colleagues and then head out and check out the event. So it's it's a beautiful, beautiful day. And we're sitting on the 23rd floor of uh, of the Hilton, what is it, the Doubletree? Yeah, the Doubletree, and it's called Sky Bar. So again, I apologize for anything in the background. And you're there at an interesting time in history. Have you had any discussions about the um, the Brexit vote? It has been obviously uh, the topic du jour. Uh, <laughs> we were here on the very first working day uh, since the referendum was announced. And um, there's mixed people, uh, sorry, mixed opinions. Some people are saying, you know, it's um, it's a huge mistake that the youth do not want to see happen and others think that it won't make a difference. So uh, definitely one of the topics everybody's uh, hot, hot on right now. And it was pretty interesting to hear their opinions deep localized in the thick of it. I see that you have offices in New York and in Vancouver. Uh, where do you live? So I am happy to say that I am a Vancouverite born and raised. I uh, represent Vancouver to the fullest as best I can. I'm really excited. All of the things that uh, groups like Jelly are doing. Uh, we do have offices abroad because you have to be, you know, in the Mecca of where advertising is certainly in New York. And uh, we're fortunate to have some great colleagues also in California and London in the UK, uh, as well as in Costa Rica, India. Our uh, developers are all in the Ukraine and um, just very fortunate to have a really strong group back at Vancouver. So if they're listening to this, shout out to all you guys. You're all rock stars and I consider you family. You're literally a worldwide business. You have locations all over the world. Yes. (laughs) Cool. 
And how did you first become interested in marketing? Uh, do, do you have a, a marketing degree or, or what got you into the marketing business? It's a really funny story. Uh, I was going to school with the ambition to become a lawyer to follow in my dad's footsteps. And uh, halfway through, I exited to open up a martial arts school with my brother. And when we opened up the martial arts school, we recognized that we were using literally 11 software programs to run the business. And during that period of time, we decided that it would be a good idea to consolidate those programs all into one niche-specific membership-based software. And we started a, a company called Champions Way with our instructor. And Champions Way became a force in niche-specific membership software. In building up that company, we learned basically everything you could when it came to marketing a micro-business. And we're surprised at how many commonalities there are in marketing an enterprise or medium-sized business. And uh, over 11 years of working on software development and marketing and figuring out ways to growth hack, uh, that's where it became a passion. And I was very fortunate to meet a gentleman, uh, Charlo Barbosa, who I consider a pioneer in internet marketing. Uh, he's, there's nothing that, that that man has not done. And uh, he decided to bring me on as a partner and, and taught me his vision. And ever since, it's just been uh, the only way I, I look at the world, honestly, is through the lens of how can people communicate better, more efficiently, uh, and find the right pairings, whether it be relationships, uh, a consumer relationship, or, or a brand trying to tell a story. What are, what are some of the things you learned from him that uh, that made a difference in your life and in, and in your approach to business? Um, the main thing that I learned from him is that the best information that you will have access to will be uh, very tough to find. Uh, usually... The blogs that talk about marketing uh, are talking about things that, um, and I don't mean to sound in any way, shape, or form disrespectful to a lot of the quality news outlets that are out there, but the information is um, heavy in buzzwords and heavy in theories, but not so heavy in practice. And, uh, you know, all of the things that Charlo uh, employs that are extremely valuable and, and effective tactics, uh, you're not going to find them in a textbook. You're not going to learn them in school. And if you're lucky, you might know someone else who is doing them. But it's 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 one of those uh, interesting caveats of the industry. You'd think that marketing information would be readily available to everyone. And unless you're going to really strong conferences and, and learning about it offline, I find that it's it's difficult to uh, to learn it just off off of uh, reviewing things online. Tell us about some of the early days of Native Ads Incorporated. What were some of the things that you, you learned? What was it like starting out? Well, it was an interesting time. We had a theory that having the publishers and having the reach would be the way to win the game. So we focused on developing uh, proprietary widgets, JavaScript-based ad units. We made 17 of them. Each one of them, you know, we had that opinion that this is going to be the one. You know, we went from content recommendation to in-stream to in-stream on property, in-image. Uh, we had footers and anchors and mobile footers and anchors and mobile interstitials. Um, we basically developed every kind of ad unit you could imagine. And then we learned a really hard lesson once we started to hit critical mass and make our way up the comm score ratings as we we're generating direct publishers. Uh, there was one fateful day when I was on the phone with uh, the CRO of the Daily Mail. And uh, I was asking him, you know, how could we get one of our ad units on his page? And he let me know that uh, one of the competitors in the market had just cut him a check for $25 million, prepaid, guaranteed, flat rate CPM on a unit that is sold on a CPC. And uh, that was scary. 
Yeah. And then um, I was fortunate enough. <laughs> to, sorry, you didn't have twenty five million dollars just sitting around anymore. No, no, that, that's that's the kind of pocket change I try to reserve for my uh, advanced uh, yachting uh, hobbies. No, I'm kidding. We had nothing like that at the time. Yeah. And then we were fortunate enough to have a meeting with Time Inc. Uh, in their head office in New York. And it was in that discussion that we learned that they had received uh, a check for over a hundred million dollars from another competitor in the market who had also prepaid. for traffic at a flat rate CPM. So it was time to go back to the drawing board and figure out how are we going to exist in the space if uh, people are basically renting publishers at rates that are very difficult to make money with. And that's where Charlo had a really strong vision. And uh, together we decided to make a big pivot, which was to focus on the direct advertisers and the age old cliche saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, We ended up partnering with all of the companies we at the time considered competitors. Mm -hmm. So we were really fortunate because we had a background in content marketing and publishing ourselves running two uh, high quality blogs. At one point, one of them was in the top Comscore 300 for the U.S., And we used that knowledge to build a direct publisher base, which we still manage today and still reaches over 120 million unique visitors per month in the U.S. But it was time to uh, employ the horsepower of all of these other major content marketing networks and content syndication networks. So we partnered with all of them and built them into our platform so that we would basically say to any advertiser on the planet looking to try native or content syndication, This is the platform you can literally get traffic from any other source in the world. Uh, It's got access to more traffic in the world. And it's uh, backed by people who understand what it's like to market either a website for... uh, for, for getting more uh, loyal visitors to your, your 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 content blog or if you're a direct advertiser looking to convert on a lead or a CPA goal or something to that effect, we had all of that as well. So it was a really interesting approach to business. We basically started backwards and then realized we wanted to go the other way and as a result mapped out the industry uh, through experience versus through theory. You've been alluding to it there. Well, you've been more than alluding to it. You've been describing what Native does. Just tell us a little bit more about what you do and ma- what makes uh, Native unique. Yeah, and I apologize. It's been long-winded to all of you listening, so I'm going to get right to the point. If you are looking to buy traffic in the form of a image and a headline, no different than what it looks like on Facebook or on Instagram, but instead of being locked into those social platforms where the culture of the content consumption and, and the viewers may not be uh, aligned with, with the type of messaging that you want to communicate, uh, what we will do for you is we will get these images and headlines placed on all of the high quality websites specific to the interest of your consumers or your target audience. And we will get you higher click through rates with zero risk because it's sold on a CPC, delivering the traffic to pages that will tell stories or educate and essentially warm up your audience uh, to go from maybe upper funnel to middle funnel or in the middle of the funnel through to a conversion. Uh, so to say it in layman's terms, you upload images, you upload headlines and a click URL, and we will deliver traffic at scale at a low CPC to an advertorial styled landing page. So while we do support the direct response marketers, the whole idea behind native is not to just shout at your consumers to buy something or to hand over their information. Instead, it's a value exchange of an advertising piece that can stand on its own and still deliver a value to the user, whether through education or entertainment. And that's what Native's all about. How do you work with a client? Well, it's actually one of the cooler things that we've done is, is being people that 
have spent, you know, close to $20,000 a day personally in online advertising, we knew all the nuances of using the Facebook power editor. And I don't mean to knock them, but, you know, I think anyone listening to this understands that it can be cumbersome at times. Um, or using other uh, native ad platforms, you've probably experienced the manual feeling of uploading one by one of these images. So what we did is we made it so that when you log in to our platform, which it's self-service with a full service feel because we can help out at any time throughout your campaign creation, uh, you simply choose 10 images, you choose 10 headlines or less, but however many you choose and upload, the system will automatically create the variants. So 10 images and 10 headlines would automatically create 100 ad combinations. You tell us where you want us to send the traffic, and then you basically pick your targeting. You know, what type of audience are you after? And at what type of, uh, what, what type of um, interest point would you like to connect with them? Because maybe you're targeting, you know, a male between the ages of 25 and 45. But do you want to speak to him when he's reading a site that's talking about maybe cars? Or do you want to talk to him when he's reading on a site that's talking about sports or financial news? Uh, we're all in a different mentality when we're reading these sites. And that's the beauty of Native is that it goes across the web and allows you to determine not necessarily real-time marketing, but what some people call right-time marketing. Do you help with copywriting? I think that's always an issue for people. You know, I'd love to do what you're, what you're talking about, but how do I write an, an effective ad? Well, we encourage everybody uh, not to just shy away from trying. I think it's important that every advertiser, every brand, every agency understands that we live in an age now where we are all mini media companies and we will not succeed if we don't learn how to produce our own media. However, uh, there's great companies out there. I got to give a shout out to Darian and Jelly. You know, they produce really engaging uh, content and experiences. And there's a lot of uh, freelance writers out there that can put together beautiful pieces for you. And should you require help and not know where to go, we can certainly assist with that. It's not a requirement, but it is a value add service that we can assist with. So that you know, eliminates the major barrier to entry with Native, which is having content. And, and that's such a good point that you brought that up. It's, it's kind of a both and, isn't it? Like it is good for a business owner to experience writing their own sales copy. I think it's a good process for everybody to go through. But then ultimately, I guess if you really want to polish it up and make sure that it's effective, you know, go to a company like Jelly or, or, or find a good copywriter. Precisely. I think it's important for us to all follow that mentality that the best way to learn something is to try and teach it. And the best way to understand what your brand's messaging is, is to try and create it yourself. Um, but to have that polish and to create several different combinations of it, you know, I, I believe any piece of content that you intend to promote should have not three variants, but five versions of it. And you should try all five and then just let our software do all of the uh, decision-making for you. The data will do the talking. How long are they spending on that article when they click? Uh, are they clicking through and converting, whether it be submitting their information or making a purchase? Or if you're a publisher yourself just looking to generate more page views and engagement on your site, are they hitting your page view goal? Are they hitting your time on site goal? And, and let the data do the talking. I mean, we all, um, as marketers, kind of have that, uh, that sixth sense. We have that instinct. But I think everybody can agree there's been a time um, in their marketing careers that they have been completely wrong and the data suggested otherwise. So I'm a bit of a slow learner. So let me just try and let's walk through a practical example here just to make sure that I've got it and that our listeners understand. Let's say my my typical example so far in the Jelly Marketing Podcast has been I'm starting a uh, a brewery, Rodney's Craft Brew out here in Coquitlam. 
and uh, I want to start to do some advertising. Just walk me through the process, or maybe I'll I'll, I'll say it back to you. Is um, I, I I write my own ad. I have some graphics. I go into the. I sign up for native ads. I load it up to the system, and then I decide where it you know the best place for my ads to go is. You you're supplying the outlets uh, for that. And, um, I, I may, I probably decide on my, how much money I can spend or whatever, and it'll go to all of those different outlets. Is that a pretty good summary of, of what you do or did I miss anything? No, I think you, you got the, the big picture quite accurately. And I think it's important to also inject into that process. Also thinking about what are the activities and the mentalities that promote the consumption of your craft beer in this example. So with summer coming up, <laughs> yeah. there would be no better native ad than to talk about 10 or 15 awesome activities to do this summer. And the native message in there is that you talk about activities that a beer would complement really well. You don't suggest this and say, and have a beer from us. No, no. <laughs> we have sophisticated consumers today and they don't appreciate being shouted at and they don't appreciate being marketed to as if they're you know, not intelligent. So let them uh, create the idea in their own mind from reading your content that they feel like having a beer. And isn't it great that this beer company took the time to go out and create a value for them by suggesting all these great places to go? Maybe they even shout out potential partners in this article as a you know give first mentality. And now you've got a really cool piece of content. So you get that content put together. Go out and find um, 10 really beautiful images and they don't, they should not be iStock photo. We do not respond to it. We all hate that live chat image of that same lady that's smiling with the perfect teeth when yeah. we're on a website. Amen so why would that. people click on that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's do away with iStock photo. Yeah. No, no, I got no beef with Getty. I got no beef with iStock photo. But when it comes to marketing, I think it's important that um, everybody eats and there's a lot of great freelance photographers that you can employ. And they'll go out and do all kinds of beautiful things for you. You can even try a cartoon or a graphic artist that'll do something unique and, and really, um, you know, off the beaten path for your image selection. And once you have all this put together, now you've got a piece that you're proud of. And this can go on your blog in addition to be part of your native ad strategy. And to finish um, elaborating on what you said so accurately... Exactly. You, you pick the type of interest points that you would like to hit and our algorithm will go find the best sites they're going to match. It's basically playing a rapid game of Marco Polo looking for, is this the right site? Are we getting engagement from it? Yes, no. Um, and I skipped a step, you know, you're going to enter in your, what we call CPA goal or conversion goal. We're going to, you're going to enter in your page view goal. You're going to enter in, you know, what is the best outcome of this marketing campaign? And, then the algorithm does all the heavy lifting and figures out how to get that for you. Um, should you get traffic from a source that you're, you don't feel is on brand or you don't feel is converting or the robot figures out that it's not converting, it just automatically disqualifies, disqualifies it from the campaign and keeps things intelligent. It's got that little AI thing going on where it gets smarter as, as you work with it. This is kind of an annoying thing, but I, I have to ask this question because I read recently that Facebook and Google have 85% of the online ad spend and, and people are pretty concerned about that. Uh, would, would native ads submit my ads to, to those platforms as well? Well, Facebook is actually a partnership that we've had signed since late 2014. Mm. And, uh, perhaps the statement is indicative of how good business has been. We simply have not had the time to integrate them. Uh, not that we don't see it as a, uh, a priority, but 
there have been other elements that have we felt uh, made us more successful as a result of making that decision. And what I really like is, um, and I'm not sure exactly how to say this diplomatically, but I feel like at some of these events that I am so um, blessed to be at, that I get an opportunity to be a shepherd to bring these Facebook advertisers that are already versed in selecting images and headlines that are engaging and show them that they can put them on other places in the rest of the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's great that we have these social platforms that have 85% of the online ad spend because it shows that uh, there's activity and all that. Um, but I'm not worried about this becoming a monopoly because people are going to want to go other places to get their content. And the reason why Facebook is so successful is because they've made it easy to share content that is actually off of their platform and as long as that content exists off of their platform so will the ad spend it might be a little bit top heavy right now but um i I have a saying the universe doesn't understand right from wrong but it understands balance from imbalance and anything that is you know not balanced will eventually balance itself oh that's good does that come from your martial arts background that's like a martial arts uh philosophy (laughs) (laughs) it it absolutely is and and that's cool that you uh that you saw that yeah no martial arts is a a big part of the way that we approach business um loyalty discipline and indomitable spirit is definitely the pillars of our company so it sounds like the benefit then of doing native ads is that your ads are probably even more targeted i mean you could you can be pretty targeted on Facebook, but you're still not necessarily reaching that really specific audience. Like, let's say you did have a martial arts product. I'm imagining that with native ads, you could get me right into native ads publications or into uh, native ad or into uh, martial arts websites and that sort of thing. It's a yes and no answer. So the no part is that unlike Facebook, you don't, um, create a campaign and start typing a bunch of interests and then it automatically auto-populates and finds people that have expressed that these are their interests like Facebook. I think Facebook really redefined what targeting is and did an amazing job to capture all this social data and uh, allow that to be something we can utilize in our targeting. However, uh, what Native does differently that allows this granular targeting, and here's the S part of the answer, is that we scrape every word from the landing page and the site that you are sending the traffic to. We grab all of the metadata and based on that, we make matches that are in some cases an exact match to the editorial content on the publisher sites that we have access to. Uh-huh. And in some cases, we find really cool combinations such as, and I'm, I keep going back to our, our mail example here, but uh, some readers really like to see a financial uh, financial related advertisement on a sports site. They're checking out last last night's game uh, game score, and uh, all of a sudden there's a uh, a financial offer or instrument of some sort that is being educated, not advertised. And as a result of that, there's high click through rates and high engagement. So yes, you can target extremely uh, with a granular uh, approach. However, it's based on the content that you create uh, in combination with the targeting of the audience. Cool. I think I got it now. That's excellent. I just, I, I was just talking to someone who talked about, uh, you know, snorkeling or taking the deep dive. I feel like we just took the deep dive and now I, now I understand native ads. That's great. <laughs> yeah. We grabbed a, a couple clams off the bottom of the ocean there. So sorry if we got too granular, but uh, for all of you listening out there, um, it's just something that is very difficult not to be passionate about. And it's really lovely to get to explain it. Yeah. Do you have any other tips for us as far as, uh, advertising is concerned or online advertising? 
I think it's, uh, again, another cliche statement, but diversification is king here and authenticity is king here. So when you go uh, to create a campaign, mix up your ad spend in the beginning. Uh, going all in on one discipline, I think, is always going to limit your growth and limit your opportunity to learn. Um, every dollar we spend, um, we're either right or we're wrong. And both are fine as long as we learn why we were wrong and we capture those learnings and apply them to, you know, future, future campaigns. And the other element I think is, is, you know, getting to the authenticity is today's, uh, consumer. That's what they're rewarding. Um, we all know when you watch a YouTube video and it's a staged prank or a staged, you know, video that was supposed to be authentic, but it's not. As soon as that one comment pops up, this is fake staged. Um, the viewership and the engagement goes down and it's no different with advertorial content. So, um, don't try and be something you're not. Don't try and tell a story that's not true. Uh, dig deep. It might not come to you right away and, and keep trying at it. And as soon as you find that voice as a marketer or as a brand, uh, really the only limitation is your own imagination. So just to wrap things up, we do a little lightning round. We ask all of our guests some of the same questions. You don't have to answer quickly, but uh, we'll just try and fire these off as, as rapidly as we can. Our first question that we ask everybody is, because we're the Jelly Marketing Podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? On my toast, it's got to be peanut butter and blackberry jam. Blackberry jam. Okay, cool. That's an interesting interesting choice. Where, where did that come from? Uh, I have family in Saskatchewan and uh, they're big on their blackberry jam. <laughs> right on. You're a busy guy. You're flying around the world. You're going to conferences. You've got lots of big, you're, you're the, the CEO of a large company. Uh, uh, what do you do to handle stress? I like to go for a walk and, and talk with colleagues. Uh, I think that, you know, motion is always one of those things that helps you stimulate uh, the positive feelings that are a requirement. Uh, I always like to ask two questions. Are we focusing on what's important and what are we not doing? And whenever I ask those two questions, it just helps create that clarity. You know, I find stress is the result of repeating thoughts in your head. And it's almost like having too many browsers up on a, on a, on a web browser, sorry, too many tabs open on a web browser. It's going to bog you down and slow down your, your biological RAM. And it's important to close all of those, start with a blank piece of paper in your mental projection and say, what are we not doing? And are we focusing on what's important and go for a walk? And, and that usually does the trick for me. Do you still practice martial arts a little bit? Not as much as I'd like to, but I'm very happy to say that I am living vicariously through my two sons who are both training together with my best friend in the world, uh, who teaches them every uh, Saturday. Shout out to Dean and Curtis. They're doing such a great job with my kids. <laughs> That's cool. That's one of the joys of parenting, isn't it? Is to see your kids do those kinds of things and, and grow and improve and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, they're little bodies, but massive personalities. <laughs> Maybe kind of like their dad, <laughs> the massive personality <laughs> part. Awesome. Are you an iPhone or an Android person? I try to switch between the two every iteration. Right now, I am a proud owner of an Edge 7. Uh, I love it. I'm not sure I'm going to go back to uh, Apple, but I like to go back and forth between the two just so that way I can have that user perspective from both sides of the OS OSs. And what's your favorite app or online tool? Uh, Trello by a long shot and LastPass. Those are my two lifesavers. Do you have a favorite life or business hack to share? Something that makes uh, your life a little bit easier and maybe can make our listeners' lives, uh, lives a little bit easier? Oh my gosh, that is, there's so many out there. Um, let's focus on a life hack. Try to invest emotionally and uh, chronologically 
into the people around you. Uh, whenever you feel like um, you're not getting to where you want to be or you're not some people say, you know, I'm trying to get mine or whatever that statement is. I think the best thing you can do is do the polar opposite of your instincts and, and try to give to someone else immediately. And and that's the best hack. You know, whenever you're trying to receive in life, the, the second you make the intention to give, it just the universe understands this reciprocity and it, and it can be instant. I like that. And I know it's hard to choose, but just maybe for the purposes of our interview, do you have a cause that's near and dear to your heart? Absolutely. Uh, my good, good friend from 16 years of DJing on the radio and nightclubs with DJ Alibaba uh, supports the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And every year we throw an event called FUBAR Summer Splashdown. Um, this year is the last one ever uh, at Splashdown as Splashdown Park is closing. It is going to relocate, but uh, it's just an awesome thing that we do. We get all the kids together uh, and we raise a whole bunch of money for a really good cause and have a lot of fun in the process. Sounds like fun. And how can people reach out to you and find out more about native ads? Well, you can certainly, I have a brand new Twitter handle. I closed down the old one and I wanted to have a fresh start. So it's just at my first name, J O N and my last name, Malik at John Malik. Just hit me up on Twitter or, uh, you're more than welcome to hit me up on LinkedIn. Find me. I, usually try to connect with everyone. I'm not a LinkedIn snob and uh, be happy to hear from you. As far as checking out native ads, um, definitely check out our blog. It's uh, nativeads.com forward slash blog. And it's filled with lots of cool content marketing hacks and, and tips that you can use for free. Good. We'll put all of those links in the show notes. So you're over in England. Uh, have a good time. I hope you hope you learn lots. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak on such a great platform. You guys are great at Jelly and huge shout out to your whole team. Well, thanks again to John Malik from Native Ads Inc. for joining us on the seventh episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. If you'd like to check out some of the links and show notes from this episode, go to the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find us under the blog tab of the website. Also, be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We'd love to hear from you, and the more people that rate our podcast, the more people we can reach. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.